volume three chapters ten and eleven of the widow barnaby by francis milton trollope this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter ten gives some account of colonel hubert's return to cheltenham we must now follow colonel hubert to cheltenham to which place he returned in a state of mind not particularly easy to be described the barrier he had placed before his heart the heavy pressure of which he had sometimes felt to be intolerable was now broken down and it was a relief to him to remember that agnes knew of his love but excepting this relief there was little that could be felt as consolatory and much that was decidedly painful in his state of mind he knew but too well that not all the partial affection esteem and admiration entertained for him by his aunt would prevent her feeling and expressing the most violent aversion to his marrying the niece of mrs barnaby he knew too what sort of reception the avowal of such an intention was likely to meet from his amiable but proud brother-in-law and remembered with feelings not very closely allied to satisfaction the charge he had commissioned lady stephenson to give him that he should keep watch over his thoughtless young brother in order to guard him if possible from bringing upon them the greatest misfortune that could befall a family such as theirs namely the introducing an inferior connection into it neither could he forget the influence he had used in consequence of this injunction to crush the ardent generous uncalculating attachment of his confiding friend frederick for her whom in defiance of the wishes of his whole family he was now fully determined to make his wife all this gave materials for very painful meditation and when in addition to it he recalled those fearful words of agnes i will never be your wife it required all the power of that master passion which had seized upon his heart to keep him steady to his resolution of communicating his wishes and intentions to lady elizabeth and to sustain his hopes of engaging her actively to assist him in obtaining what he felt very sure she would earnestly desire that he should never possess with all these heavy thoughts working within him he entered the drawing-room of his aunt and rejoiced to find her tete-a-tete -tete with his sister sir edward being absent at a dinner-party of gentlemen they both welcomed him with eager inquiries concerning their young favourite the tone of which at once determined him to enter immediately upon the tremendous subject of his hopes and wishes and the affectionate interest expressed for her warmed him into a degree of confidence which he was far from feeling when he entered the room pretty creature exclaimed lady elizabeth and that wretched woman has actually left her alone in london lodgings why did you not make her return with you montague it was surely no time to stand upon etiquette i dared not even ask it replied colonel hubert his voice faltering and his manner such as to make the two ladies exchange a hasty glance with each other you dared not ask agnes willoughby poor little thing to come down with you to my house colonel hubert said the old lady you surely forget that you went up to london with an invitation for her in your pocket my dear aunt replied colonel hubert hesitating in his speech as neither of his auditors had ever before heard him hesitate i have much to tell you respecting both agnes willoughby and myself then tell it in heaven's name said lady elizabeth sharply let it be what it may i would rather hear it than be kept hanging thus by the ears between the possible and impossible colonel hubert moved his chair and seating himself beside lady stephenson took her hand as if to show that she too was to listen to what he was about to say though it was their aunt to whom he addressed himself from suspense at least i can relieve you lady elizabeth and you too my dear emily who look at me so anxiously without saying a word at least i can relieve you from suspense i love miss willoughby and i hope 
with as little delay as possible to make her my wife lady stephenson pressed his hand and said nothing but a deep sigh escaped her lady elizabeth who was not accustomed to manifest her feelings so gently rose from her seat on the sofa and placing herself immediately before him said with great vehemence montague hubert son of my dead sister you are come to years of discretion and a trifle beyond your magnificent estate of thirteen hundred a year and i beg your pardon some odd pounds shillings and pence over is all your own and you may marry mrs barnaby herself if you please and settle it upon her no one living that i know of has any power to prevent it but sir if you expect that lady elizabeth norris will ever receive as her niece a girl artful enough to conceal from me and from your sister the fact that she was engaged to you and that too while receiving from both of us the most flattering attention nay such affection as might have opened any heart not made of brass and steel if you expect this you will find yourself altogether mistaken this harangue which her ladyship intended to be overpoweringly severe was in fact very nearly the most agreeable one that colonel hubert could have listened to for it touched only on a subject of offence that he was perfectly able to remove all embarrassment immediately disappeared from his manner and springing up to place himself between his aunt and the door to which she was approaching with stately steps he said in a voice almost of exultation my dearest aunt how like your noble self it is to have made this objection before every other and this objection which would indeed have been fatal to every hope of my happiness i can remove by a single word agnes was as ignorant of my love for her as you and emily could be till last night i have loved her longer it may be than i have known it myself perhaps i might date it from the first hour i saw her but she knew nothing of it last night for the first time i confessed to her my love and what think you lady elizabeth was her answer nay mr benedict i know not i thank you sir and a low courtesy i suppose i was less happy lady elizabeth he replied half smiling adding a moment later however with a countenance from which all trace of gaiety had passed away the answer of miss willoughby to my offer of marriage was colonel hubert i can never be your wife indeed then how comes it montague that you still talk of making her so because before i left her i thought i saw some ground for hope that her refusal was not caused by any personal dislike to me really interrupted lady elizabeth nay my dear aunt resumed hubert you may in your kind and long enduring partiality fancy this impossible but unhappily for my peace of that moment i remembered that i was more than five-and-thirty and she not quite eighteen but she told you i suppose that you were still a very handsome fellow only she had some other objection and pray what was it sir she feared the connection would be displeasing to you and lady stephenson and you assured her most earnestly perhaps that she was mistaken no lady elizabeth i did not there are circumstances in her position that must make my marrying her appear objectionable to my family and though my little independence is as your ladyship observes my own i would not wish to share it with any woman who would be indifferent to their reception of her all my hope therefore rest in the confidence i feel that when the first unpleasing surprise of this avowal shall have passed away you both of you for there is no one else whose approbation i should wait for 
you will suffer your hearts and heads to strike a fair and reasonable balance between all that my sweet agnes has in her favour and all she has against her do this lady elizabeth but do it as kindly as you can emily will help you to-morrow morning you shall tell me your decision i can resolve on nothing till i hear it colonel hubert as soon as he had said this left the room nor did they see him again that night the morning came and he met lady stephenson at the breakfast-table but lady elizabeth did not appear sending down word as was not unusual with her that she should take her chocolate in her own room sir edward was not in the room when he entered and he seized the opportunity to utter a hasty and abrupt inquiry as to the answer he might expect from herself and their aunt from me montague she replied you cannot fear to hear anything very harshly disagreeable in truth i have been so long accustomed to believe that whatever my brother did or wished to do was wisest best that it would be very difficult for me to think otherwise now besides i cannot deny though perhaps it hardly ought to be taken into the account that i too am very much in love with agnes willoughby and that though i would give my little finger she had no aunt barnaby belonging to her i never saw any woman in any rank whom i could so cordially love and welcome as a sister in reply to this colonel hubert clasped the lovely speaker to his heart and before he had released her from his embrace or repeated his inquiry concerning lady elizabeth sir edward stephenson entered and the conversation became general for many hours of that irksome morning colonel hubert was kept in the most tantalizing state of suspense by the prolonged absence of the old lady from the drawing-room but at length after sir edward and his lady had set off for their second morning ramble without him he was cheered by the appearance of the ancient maiden who was his aunt's tirewoman bringing in her lap-dog and the velvet cushion that was its appendage which having placed reverently before the fire she moved the favourite fauteuil an inch one way and the little table that ever stood beside it an inch the other and was retiring when colonel hubert said is my aunt coming immediately mitchell my lady will not be long colonel but her ladyship is very poorly this morning and with a graceful swinging courtesy she withdrew the colonel trembled all over very poorly as applied to lady elizabeth norris having from his earliest recollection always been considered as synonymous to very cross she will refuse to see her thought he pacing the room in violent agitation and in that case she will keep her word she will never be my wife bless me how you do shake the room colonel hubert said a very crabbed voice behind him just after he had passed the door in his perturbed promenade if you took such a fancy early in the morning when the housemaid might sweep up the dust you had raised i should not object to it for it is very like having one's carpet beat but just as i am coming to sit down here it is very disagreeable indeed this grumble lasted just long enough to allow the old lady who looked as if she had been eating crab-apples and walked as if she had suddenly been seized with the gout in all her joints to place herself in her easy-chair as she concluded it during which time the colonel stood still upon the hearth-rug with his eyes anxiously fixed upon the venerable but very hostile features that were approaching him a moment's silence followed during which the old lady looked up in his face with the most provoking expression imaginable for cross as it was there was a glance of playful malice in it that seemed to say you look as if you were going to cry colonel he felt provoked with her and this gave him courage may i beg of you lady elizabeth to tell me what i may hope from your kindness on the subject i mentioned to you last night said he pray sir do you remember your grandfather was her reply the earl of archdale yes madam perfectly 
you do humph and your paternal grandfather with his pedigree from duke nigel of normandy did you ever hear of him yes lady elizabeth replied the colonel in a tone of indifference i have heard of him but he died you know when i was very young there was a minute's silence which was broken by another question from lady elizabeth and pray sir will you do me the favour to tell me who was the grandfather of miss willoughby i have little or indeed no doubt lady elizabeth that miss willoughby is the granddaughter of that mr willoughby of greatfield park in warwickshire who lost the tremendous stake at piquet that you have heard of and two of whose daughters married the twin sons of lord eastcombe i think you cannot have forgotten the circumstances lady elizabeth drew herself forward in her chair and fixing her eyes steadfastly on the face of her nephew said in a voice of great severity do you mean to assert to me colonel montague hubert that agnes willoughby is niece to lady eastcombe and the honourable mrs nivett i mean to assert to you madam that it is my firm persuasion that such will prove to be the fact but i have not considered it necessary lady elizabeth norris for the son of my father to withhold his affections from the chosen of his heart till he was assured he should gain all the honour by the selection which a union with lady eastcombe's niece could bestow nor should i have mentioned my belief in this connection by way of a set-off to the equally near claim of mrs barnaby had you not questioned me so particularly had colonel hubert studied his answer for a twelvemonth he could not have composed a more judicious one there was a spice of hauteur in it by no means uncongenial to the old lady's feelings and there was too enough of defiance to make her take counsel with herself as to whether it would be wise to vex him further it was therefore less with the accent of mockery and more with that of curiosity that she recommenced her interrogatory will you tell me montague from what source you derive this knowledge of miss willoughby's family was it from herself certainly not if the facts be as i have stated and as i hope and believe they will be found miss willoughby will be as much surprised by the discovery as your ladyship from whom then did you hear it from no one lady elizabeth as a matter of fact connected with agnes but something i know not what introduced the mention of old willoughby's wild stake at piquet at the club the other day the name struck me and i led old major barnes to talk to me of the family he told me that a younger son a gay harem-scarum sort of youth married some girl when he was in country quarters whom his family would not receive that ruined and broken-hearted by this desertion he went abroad almost immediately after his marriage and has never been heard of since and this is the foundation upon which you build your hope that mrs barnaby's niece is also the niece of lady eastcombe ingenious certainly colonel as a theory but somewhat slight as an edifice on which to hang any weighty matter don't you think so i hang nothing on it lady elizabeth if i did not feel that miss willoughby was calculated to make me happy without this supposed relationship i certainly should not think her so with it however that your ladyship may not fancy my imagination more fertile than it really is i must add that when at clifton i did hear from the mrs peters whom i have before mentioned to you that the father of agnes went abroad after his marriage and moreover that no news of him in any way ever reached his wife's family afterwards lady elizabeth for some time made no reply but seemed to ponder upon this statement very earnestly at length she said in a tone from which irony and harshness levity and severity were equally banished montague there are some of the feelings which you have just expressed in which i cannot sympathize but a very little reflection will teach you that there is no ground of offence to you in this for it would be unnatural that i should do so 
you tell me that your father's son need not deem the honour of a relationship to viscountess eastcombe necessary to his happiness in life so far i am able to comprehend you although lady eastcombe is an honourable and excellent personage whose near connection with a young lady would be no contemptible advantage at least in my mind upon her introduction into life but we will pass this when however you proceed to tell me that your choice in marriage could in no wise be affected by the rank and station of those with whom it might bring you in contact and that too when the question is whether a mrs barnaby or a lady eastcombe should be in the foreground of the group you must excuse me if i cannot follow you nothing is so distressing in an argument as to have a burst of a grandiloquent sentiment set aside by a few words of common sense colonel hubert walked the length of the drawing-room and back again before he answered he felt that as his aunt put the case he was as far from following his assertion by his judgment as herself but ere his walk was finished the image of the desolate agnes as he had seen her the night before arose before him and resumed its unconquerable influence on his heart he took a hint from her ladyship threw aside all mixture of heat and anger and replied heaven forbid lady elizabeth that i should attempt to defend any such doctrine believe me it is not mine but in one word i love miss willoughby and if i can arrive at the happiness of believing that i am loved in return nothing but her own refusal will prevent me from marrying her this is my statement of facts i will attempt no other and throw myself wholly upon your judgment to smooth or render more rugged the path which lies before me the old lady looked at him and smiled very kindly montague said she resolve my doubts is it the mention of your pleasant suspicions respecting miss willoughby's paternal ancestry or your present unvarnished frankness that has won upon me upon my honour i could not answer this question myself but certain it is that i do feel more inclined to remember what a very sweet creature agnes is at this moment than i ever thought i should again when our conversation began colonel hubert kneeled down upon her footstool and kissing her hand said in a voice that spoke his happiness it matters not to me what the cause is my dearest aunt i thank heaven for the effect and now do not think that i am taking an unfair advantage of this kindness if i ask you to remember the position of miss willoughby at this moment with such views for the future as i have explained to you is it not my duty to remove her from it what then do you propose to do demanded lady elizabeth i can do nothing he replied whatever aid or protection can be extended to her must come from you or lady stephenson and that i should rather it came from you who have long been to me as a mother can hardly surprise you sir edward is an excellent young man but he has prejudices that i should not like to battle with on this occasion it is from you and you only lady elizabeth that i either hope or wish to find protection for my future wife again lady elizabeth pondered did not agnes tell us she said at length did she not say in her letter to lady stephenson that she had applied to some aged relation in devonshire by whom she hoped to be extricated from her present terrible embarrassment it is very likely replied colonel hubert for she spoke to me of such a one and hoped that thursday that is to-morrow is it not would bring an answer to her application then montague we must wait to hear what this thursday brings forth before we interfere to repeat the offer of protection which it is possible she may not want and heaven grant it may be so 
for if she is to be your wife colonel hubert and it is pretty plain she will be will it not be better that you should follow her with your addresses to the lowliest roof in devonshire than that she should take refuge here where every gossip's finger will be pointed at her it was impossible to deny the truth of this and colonel hubert cared not to avow that all the favour she had bid him hope for was but conditional and that till the avowal of his love should be sanctioned by his aunt and sister he was still to hold himself as a rejected man he dared not tell her this lest the feelings he had conquered with so much difficulty should return upon learning that it was not yet too late to encourage them as patiently as he could therefore he awaited the expected letter from agnes and well was he rewarded for doing so the letter itself modest and unboastful as it was gave a sufficiently improved picture of her condition to remove all present anxiety on her account and though he certainly had no idea of the transformation she had undergone from a heart-broken penniless dependent into a petted cherished heiress he was soothed into the belief that it would now cost his aunt and sister infinitely less pain than he had anticipated to extend such a degree of favour to his agnes as might lead her to confirm the hope on which he lived but it was not the letter of agnes that produced the most favourable impression upon lady elizabeth the postscript of miss compton was infinitely more powerful in its effect upon her mind of agnes personally she never thought without a degree of partial admiration that nearly approached to affection and vague as the hope was respecting the family of her father it clung very pertinaciously to the old lady's memory while a certain resemblance which she felt sure that she could trace between the nose of agnes and that of the honourable miss nivett lord eastcombe's eldest daughter was doing wonders in her mind by way of a balance weight against the rouge and ringlets of mrs barnaby yet nevertheless the notion that not horrid mrs barnaby only but a host of aunts and cousins of the same breed might come down upon her in the event of this ill-assorted marriage kept her in a sort of feverish wavering state something between good and ill-humour that was exceedingly annoying to her nephew the keen-sighted old lady at once perceived that the postscript to agnes's letter was not written by a second mrs barnaby and from that moment she determined much more decisively than she chose to express that she would torment colonel hubert with no farther opposition after a short consultation between the aunt and niece that letter was dispatched the receipt of which was mentioned before miss compton and agnes left london for clifton had colonel hubert been consulted upon it he would perhaps have suggested as an improvement that the proposed meeting should take place the following week in london but on the whole the composition was too satisfactory for him to venture upon any alteration of it and again he called patience to his aid while many miserably long days were wasted by the very slow and deliberate style in which the man and maid-servant who managed all lady elizabeth's worldly concerns set about preparing themselves and her for this removal it was with a degree of pleasure which almost atoned for the vexation of this delay that he learned sir edward's good-natured compliance with his beautiful bride's capricious-seeming wish of revisiting clifton colonel hubert pertinaciously refused to let his gay brother-in-law into his confidence till the time arrived for presenting him to miss willoughby as to his future wife did this reserve arise from some unacknowledged doubt whether agnes when the pressure of misfortune was withdrawn would voluntarily bestow herself on a man of his advanced age perhaps so that agnes was less than eighteen and himself more than thirty-five were facts repeated to himself too often for his tranquillity chapter eleven agnes appears at clifton in a new character 
at as early an hour on the morning after her arrival at clifton as agnes could hope to find her friend mary awake she set off for rodney place it was a short walk but a happy one even though she had yet to learn whether lady elizabeth norris and her party were or were not arrived but there was something at the bottom of her heart that made her very tolerably easy more so perhaps than she confessed to herself on this point every day made the mysterious fact of miss compton's being a woman of handsome fortune more familiar to her and every hour made it more clear that she had no other object in life than to make that fortune contribute to the happiness of her niece it followed therefore that not having altogether forgotten the fact of colonel hubert's declaration at a moment when all things but his own heart must have pleaded against her some very comfortable ground for hope to rest upon was discoverable in the circumstances of her present position there will be no danger thought she that when he speaks again my answer should be such as to make him fancy himself too old for me the servant at rodney place who opened the door to agnes was the same who had done her the like service some dozen of times during her last visit at clifton but he betrayed no sign of recognition when she presented herself in fact the general appearance of agnes was so greatly changed from what he had been accustomed to see it when she was clothed in the residuum of the widow barnaby's weeds that till she smiled and spoke her inquiry for miss peters he had no recollection of her as soon however as he discovered that it was the miss willoughby who had left all his ladies crying when she went away he took care to make her perceive that she was not forgotten by the manner in which he said miss peters ma'am is not come downstairs yet but she will be very happy to see you ma'am if you will please to walk up as the early visitor was of the same opinion she scrupled not to find her way to the well-known door and without even the ceremony of a tap presented herself to her friend it is probable that mary looked more at the face and less at the dress of the visitor than the servant had done for uttering a cry of joy she sprang towards her and most affectionately folded her in a cordial embrace my sweet agnes this is so like you at the very instant you entered i was calculating the probabilities between to-day and to-morrow for your arrival ah oh, little girl did i not tell you to address yourself to miss compton of compton bassett long ago what say you to my wisdom now that you were inspired mary and that i deserved to suffer a good deal for not listening to such an oracle but had i done so i should never have known the difference between the extreme of barnaby misery and compton comfort said mary finishing the sentence for her agnes blushed but said with a happy smile yes assuredly i may say so miss peters looked at her and laughed there is something else you would not have known i am very sure agnes by that conscious face and it must be something very well worth knowing by that look of radiant happiness which i never saw on your face before no not even when for the first time you looked down upon avon's dun stream for then if i remember rightly your joy showed itself in tears but now my dear you are dimpling with smiles though i really believe you are doing all you can to hide them from me say why is this wherefore what should it mean mary there is not an event of my life nor a thought of my heart that i would wish to hide from you but how can i begin telling you such very long and incredible stories as i have got to tell just as you have finished dressing and are ready to go down to breakfast said agnes breakfast replied her friend i would rather go without breakfast for a month and not hear the beginning middle and end of all your adventures from the moment you left this house in crape and bombasine with your cheeks as white as marble and your eyes full of tears up to this present now 
that you have entered it again in as elegant a morning toilette as london can furnish with your cheeks full of dimples and your eyes dancing in your head with happiness notwithstanding all your efforts to look demure come sit down agnes and tell me all tell you all i will depend upon it but not now dear mary think of all your mother's kindness to me shall i sit here indulging in confidential gossip with you instead of paying my compliments to her and the rest of the family in the breakfast-room no positively no so come downstairs with me directly or i will go myself aunt compton is spoiling you child that is quite clear you used to be obedient to my command and ever ready to do as i desired but now you lay down the law like a lord chancellor come along then miss agnes but remember that as soon as breakfast is over i expect first to be taken to the mall have i not got nice lodgings for you and introduced to miss compton of compton bassett and then taken to our old seat on the rock then and there to hear all that has befallen you to this agnes agreed and they descended together the interest and the pleasure that her entrance excited among the family group already assembled round the breakfast-table was very gratifying to her mrs peters seemed hardly less delighted than mary the two girls kissed her affectionately and gazed at her with as much admiration as astonishment which is tantamount to saying that they admired her much good mr peters welcomed her very cordially and inquired with the most scrupulous politeness for the health of mrs barnaby and james told her very frankly that he was delighted to see her and that she was fifty times handsomer than ever the conversation that followed was perfectly frank on the part of agnes in all that related to the kindness of her aunt compton and the happiness she enjoyed from being under her care but from delicacy to them she said as little as possible about mrs barnaby and from delicacy to herself made no mention whatever either of colonel hubert or his family as soon as the breakfast was over mrs peters declared her intention of immediately waiting on miss compton an attention to her aunt which agnes welcomed with pleasure though it still farther postponed the much wished-for conversation with her friend mary the whole family declared their eagerness to be introduced to the old lady of whom miss willoughby spoke with such enthusiasm but as the discreet mrs peters declared that at this first visit her eldest daughter only must accompany her the rest yielded of necessity and the three ladies set out together i expect to find this new aunt a much more agreeable personage my dear agnes than your former chaperone though she was my dear sister but on one point i flatter myself i shall find them alike i hope this point of resemblance is not of much importance to your happiness my dear mrs peters replied agnes for if it be you are in a bad way since night and day are infinitely less unlike than my two aunts in all things yes but it is of great importance to my happiness particularly for this evening agnes replied mrs peters the point of resemblance i want to find is in the trusting you to my care we are going to a party this evening where i should particularly like to take you and it will be impossible you know to arrange exchange of visits and manage that an invitation shall be sent and accepted by aunt compton on such very short notice do you think she will let you go with us ask her my dear mrs peters replied agnes with a very happy smile and see what she will say to it i will if i do not find her too awful was the answer the manner in which miss compton received and entertained her visitors was a fresh source of surprise to agnes though thinking very highly of her intellect and even of her conversational powers she had anticipated some symptoms of reserve and shyness on the introduction of so perfect a recluse to strangers but nothing of the kind appeared 
miss compton was pleased by the appearance and manner of both mother and daughter and permitted them to perceive that she was so rather with the easy flattering sort of courtesy with which a superior treats those whom he wishes should be pleased with him than with any appearance of the mauvaise honte which might have been expected nor must this be condemned as unnatural for it was in fact the inevitable result of the state of mind in which she had lived with keen intellect elastic animal spirits and a position that places the owner of it fairly above the reach of annoyance from any one an elevation by the by that a few of the great ones of the earth can boast it is not an introduction to any ordinary society that can discompose the mind or agitate the manners mrs peters did not find aunt compton too awful and therefore preferred her request which like every other that could have been made likely to promote the pleasure of agnes was not only graciously but gratefully complied with a question being started as to the order in which the party should go mrs peters carriage not being able to take them all at once miss compton settled it by saying agnes has her own carriage and servants here but she must not go alone and perhaps if she calls at your house mrs peters you will have the kindness to let her friend mary accompany her and permit her carriage to follow yours this being settled mrs peters and her daughter rose to take leave and mary then hoped that agnes by returning with them would at length give her the opportunity she so earnestly desired of hearing all she had to tell but she was again disappointed for when the young heiress asked her indulgent aunt whether she would not take advantage of the lovely morning to see some of the beauties of clifton she replied i should like nothing so well agnes as to take a drive with you over the beautiful downs you talk of will you spare her to me for so long miss peters i think you deserve a little of her miss compton answered the young lady and with the hope of the evening before me i will enter no protest against the morning drive the mother and daughter then took their leave and as they left the house they exchanged a glance that seemed to express mutual congratulation on the altered condition of their favourite well mamma you will be rewarded this time for obeying my commands like a dutiful mother and permitting me to make a pet of this sweet agnes there is nothing in the barnaby style here i was sure miss compton of compton bassett must be good for something said mary if i may venture to hope as i think i may replied her mother that she will never be the means of bringing me in contact with my incomparable sister-in-law again i may really thank you saucy girl as you are for having so taken the reins into your own hands i delight in this miss compton there is a racy originality about her that is very awakening and as for your agnes what with her new young happiness her graceful loveliness now first seen to some advantage her proud and pretty fondness for her aunt and her natural joy at seeing us all again under circumstances so delightfully altered i really do think she is the most enchanting creature i ever beheld End of chapters ten and eleven